Welcome to our newest Hearts Unite the Globe hug patrons. Annie Olchek, we sincerely appreciate your support. Thank you for joining our community and making a difference through Patreon. Judy Miller, thank you for being our first Buzzsprout supporter for Bereave But Still Me. Buzzsprout started a new program where you can actually support the podcast of your choice. There are so many ways you can support Hug. All you have to do is visit our website, heartsunitetheglobe.com, to see how you too can help empower, educate, and enrich the lives of individuals in the CHD and bereaved communities. Thank you all for your continued support. You can just live in total fear, but you just have to get out there and do what you can to research it and make sure you're doing everything humanly possible. How can a mother, grandmother, and great-grandmother determine how to help families like her own? Why would a woman make it her mission to help others with an invisible illness? What can we learn from such a woman? Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna. I am Anna Jaworski and a heart mom. My son Alexander was born with a congenital heart defect and he is the reason I'm the host of your program. Today's show is Long QT Syndrome, Genetics, and Pregnancy. And our guest is Jackie Renfro. Jackie Renfro thought her family had a history of epilepsy. After losing her son Jimmy in 2000 and her daughter Chrissy in 2002, she was desperate to find a way to save her two baby granddaughters. It wasn't until her own mother started fainting and having irregular heartbeats that she finally got answers. Emergency doctors performed an electrocardiogram, or ECG, and promptly diagnosed her with long QT syndrome. Jackie and her granddaughters, Alexis and Jessica, also had an ECG, and they were diagnosed with the syndrome as well. Jackie has since started a chapter of the Sudden Cardiac Arrest Association in Indianapolis. She works with scientists, doctors, parents, and others to promote awareness of sudden cardiac arrest and access to defibrillators and treatment. In honor of her children and grandchildren, she works to spread awareness of long QT syndrome in order to help other families prevent the loss of their loved ones. Welcome back to Heart to Heart with Anna, Jackie. Hi, Anna. Thank you so much for having me back to your show. It's been four years since you were on the Heart to Heart with Michael show, and you were on my show before that. Wow, time sure does fly. I know. And I'm really looking forward to finding out what you've learned since the last time I talked to you, because I think you've done a lot of research and you have been a busy woman since the last time I talked to you. I really am. (laughs) (laughs) It's just hard to believe four years since you were on Heart to Heart with Michael. And here we are talking about pregnancy, Jackie. First of all, before we get into all of that, tell me how your mom is doing. My mom is doing great. As you well know, she lives here with me and my husband. She's been here for four years. She's now 92 years old. And she lived with long QT undiagnosed for 75 years. I know. That's what's so amazing. When the two of you were on Heart to Heart with Michael and you were sharing your story about how she was diagnosed and how your family handled living with this really seeming out of the blue diagnosis. I was so impressed with how articulate she was and 
the rawness of some of the feelings that she expressed in that episode. It's, it's been really amazing what she has lived through and survived to tell about it. Yeah. It's just beyond words. And here she is experiencing a whole other generation. When I met you four years ago, you were extremely passionate about helping people with long QT syndrome because you had lost Jimmy and Chrissy. And then you discovered your mom had long QT syndrome and you had the gene. Tell me about how your granddaughters are doing now because they must be all grown up. They are. Alexis is now 23 years old and Jessica is going to celebrate her 20th birthday in November. Hard to believe that it happened. Yeah. Finding out that they had that gene, has that affected them in any way? Well, it has, Anna, in a very positive way, though. So for years and years, we just did not have a clue what was actually going on with me and my children. They treated us different with medication. So I don't know if that's why the Lord has allowed me to live and my children are gone. I don't really know why that happened, but it did happen. But yeah, my grandchildren have greatly benefited from our diagnosis. It's amazing. Yeah. I imagine they've also suffered having lost their parents. Do they suffer from PTSD or anxiety or any other kind of problems since they didn't have their parents here to raise them? I try to fill in as much as humanly possible to help them in whatever way I needed to be there for them. But yes, of course, I feel like any time a child loses any biological parent, it's going to affect them in some form. So yeah, they've suffered, but we've also taken what we know and turned it into something positive. And that's what I love about your family. You all are so positive and you have suffered a lot of tragedy, but you always seem to be able to find that silver lining, which is just amazing to me. So let's talk about Sudden Cardiac Death Association. This is something that's a new chapter of your life since the last time we talked. Why is it that you started it? How'd you find out about it? Give me the lowdown on the Sudden Cardiac Death Association. Well, I wanted to do something to make the public aware of cardiac arrest since that's what took Jimmy and Chrissy's life. And I also wanted to help with CPR trainings and placing defibrillators. Our chapter has placed 15 to 18 defibrillators. I can't remember the exact numbers, probably from 2009. I haven't done a lot for a while because I was taking care of Jessica and now I'm taking care of my mom. Mm -hmm. So I haven't had a lot of spare time, but I think we probably have placed about 18 throughout central Indiana. We've had several CPR trainings. I've done numerous newspaper articles as well as podcasts with you Mm -hmm. and Michael. I've done magazine articles. So I would love to eventually write a book, but I have to have a little bit of time. So right now, (laughs) (laughs) I just don't have it. But I think it could help create some awareness as well as hope for people to realize that you can get through the loss of a child. It's not easy. And I feel like it's probably one of the worst losses a parent can suffer. Yeah. But you have to try to find hope where you can find it. 
Now, did you start this association or is this an association that you found out about? It's an association that I found out about. Okay. I think this is great that there is this organization, Sudden Cardiac Death Association. You're out there, you're training people how to do CPR. If you know how to do CPR, but you have somebody like someone in your family who has long QT syndrome, will CPR still help save that person's life? Absolutely. It keeps the blood flowing to the brain, which is crucial when their heart has stopped. If you don't keep the blood flow, I think you have three to four minutes. Mm. The oxygen is cut off and then it would cause brain damage. So yes, CPR will save a person's life and a defibrillator, absolutely. Those two components are vital to saving a person's life during sudden cardiac arrest. Now, does your association train people on how to use those? Because I see them at the airport now. You see them in lots of big public buildings like the convention center that's in my hometown. I've noticed that they have the automated external defibrillators. They're in a little box. You have to break the glass <laughs> to get to the yes, box basically, yeah. and all of that. Thank goodness they're there and they're prominently displayed. My concern would be if I broke the glass to get to the device, would I know what to do with it? Yes, you would because it will actually walk you through it. Okay. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. It will tell you where to place the patches. It will tell you if the person actually even needs a shock. It tells you to push and it will revive the person and bring them back to life. It's amazing. It is amazing. So you said that you've placed 18 of those devices in your community. Where would you be putting those devices? We have put them everywhere from Indianapolis to Bloomington, Indiana. We put I think it was three in Jasper, Indiana. There was a girl named Faith that she had had cardiac arrest and they saved her, thank heavens. I believe she was 12 or 13. So we did a walk for her. I had one defibrillator donated. Then I think I raised enough money for two. So I know we placed one in the school, one in the stadium, and there was another one. I think a BFW down in Jasper, Indiana, we placed. That's just so wonderful. And those are the kinds of places, especially the stadium, especially the school, those are places where we need to have them with quick access. This is not necessarily for congenital heart disease. This is for anybody who has any kind of cardiac problem that deals with the electricity part of the heart, right? Absolutely, yes. And I would guess a heart attack even. I'm not a doctor, but but yes, I wish that defibrillators were like fire extinguishers just mandatory every so many feet there's one which you're seeing more and more now home tonight forever by the baby blue sound collective i think what i love so much about this cd is that some of the songs were inspired by the patients many listeners will understand many of the different songs and what they've been inspired by. Our new album will be available on iTunes, Amazon.com, Spotify. I love the fact that the proceeds from this CD are actually going to help those with congenital heart defects. Enjoy the music. Home Tonight Forever. This content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. 
The opinions expressed in the podcast are not those of Hearts Unite the Globe, but of the hosts and guests, and are intended to spark discussion about issues pertaining to congenital heart disease or bereavement. You are listening to Heart to Heart with Anna. If you have a question or comment that you would like addressed on our show, please send an email to Anna Jaworski at Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. That's Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. Now, back to Heart to Heart with Anna. Jackie, before the break, we were talking about how you discovered a link between the premature death of your family members and long QT syndrome. We talked about that more in some of the other episodes that you've been on with Heart to Heart with Michael and the previous Heart to Heart with Anna episode. But I think we made it pretty clear in segment one that your family members had long QT syndrome. In this segment, I really want to talk to you more about your advocacy efforts regarding sudden cardiac death and long QT syndrome. Can you tell me some of the activities that you have taken? Sure, yes. Actually, anybody that will listen to me and they have a child playing sports or just a child with any kind of problems, passing out, seizures, I try to talk to them. Social media is another big tool that you can use. We have a community hospital here. There are wonderful places. You can go get your heart checked for $49. I mean, that's a couple of meals to eat out, right? Exactly. Yeah, I do that. I do newspaper articles, magazine articles. Whoever will pick up the story, if it saves one person, that's unbelievable. Oh, absolutely. That's what it's all about. Absolutely. I love how you've been such a strong advocate and you're not afraid to talk about it because I think one of the problems that we've had in the heart community over the couple of decades that I've been involved is that really heart defects are a pretty invisible illness. Most people are not walking around with their shirt off (laughs) where you can see it. (laughs) And in your family's case, it wouldn't have mattered if they had been walking around without a shirt because they didn't have open heart surgery. They didn't even know they had a heart condition. No, we had no clue. In fact, we were diagnosed years ago. Oh, geez. Mom was diagnosed in the 50s, I believe, with being an epileptic because back then we had seizures. So they connect seizures with your brain. And that wasn't at all the issue with us. It was actually our heart not pumping properly. Do you think that doctors have learned from that situation? Because I'm sure your family is not the only family who is suffering like this. Do you think that there are better screening techniques for people who present with seizures to their doctors nowadays? Or is this something that we all need to be aware of? I think everyone needs to be aware of it, but I always encourage someone who tells me that someone's passing out or having seizures because you do hear of seizures commonly. Mm-hmm. Please make sure they get their heart checked and you have to have a trained eye. You need an electrophysiologist to read that because if it's something electrical, that's what an electrophysiologist will pick up on. Right. Exactly. And the heart needs to be beating. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting how complicated the heart is. I think a lot of people don't realize this, but the heart has a natural pacemaker, but the heart has not only one natural pacemaker, but a number of natural pacemakers. And when those things go awry, that's when there are problems. Exactly. Yes. And I think you hear of a lot of elderly people, and I think that's where you speak of the natural pacemaker 
a lot of people, as they get older, they have to get a pacemaker. Mm-hmm. That's right. Probably because their natural one quits working. Right. Or is working erratically and they're passing out. And that's what we were talking about is how people who are having fainting episodes, they really need to be checked out. We're not doctors. We're just moms talking here. So please check with your doctor <laughs> if you are experiencing Absolutely. what's called syncope or fainting episodes, because you'd like to think that it's nothing, but it might be something and better to be safe than sorry. An echocardiogram is something that's fairly easy. It's non-invasive. There's two different tests. The echocardiogram is like an ultrasound of your heart. And then the ECG or electrocardiogram, that's where they actually put little electrodes on your chest. And that is what checks to see whether or not the heart's rhythm is working properly. Yes. So, and with the trained eye, make sure you have you a professional to read that. Right, right. Because not everybody knows what to do with the little printouts that come out with that. You definitely need to have a doctor who can identify all of those waves and squiggles on the piece of paper. <laughs> Someone like you and, and, you're, and you're exactly we don't right really know. That's what it looks like, <laughs> squiggles. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. When we talked together so many years ago, you told me that your family had been misdiagnosed with epilepsy. Aside from fainting, can you tell us any other warning signs that people should be aware of to let them know that perhaps they're dealing with something like long QT syndrome? And long QT syndrome is not the only syndrome. There's also Wolf-Parkinson-White, and there are a number of other congenital heart defects that deal with electrical issues with the heart. Yep, HCM, that's where the lining of your heart thickens, and that also Mm -hmm takes a lot of kids that are playing sports very sad very very sad yeah but that can also be detected with a simple ekg or an echo right which are both non-invasive and they don't even take that long so it's worth it to do it and it's not even that expensive what are the warning signs aside from fainting is there any other sign that you or your family experienced that everybody excused it away thinking it was something else but actually it was a sign that there was an electrical problem going on yes we had rapid heartbeat really bad we always said it was mom's nerves we thought you're having anxiety uh, dizzy spells are another one. Oh, okay Dizziness, shortness of breath. All of that those were make sense. The big ones. Yeah, all of those make sense. When your family members were having the shortness of breath, the dizziness, the fainting, and they went to see the doctors, why do you think they all assumed it was epilepsy? Because it usually led to a seizure, a granomal seizure. Oh. And typically with long QT, type 2 was what we have. I believe there are 10 or 12 types of long QT, believe it or not. Oh, my gosh. There's quite a few. And there's also a short QT. But, yeah, so when you go to the doctor, typically you've experienced some form of a seizure. And they're pretty rough, the seizures are. So that's why, once again... They wanted to label us as epileptics. That, and in their defense, I don't think they had discovered the long QT at that point. It wasn't discovered till uh, 1981. Okay. And like anything else, it takes a while to get out to the public that right. there is this heart condition. I had never heard of it prior to our diagnosis. Uh, I never and heard it of it. And it was discovered in the 80s. 
Yeah, I never heard of it until the 90s, actually, when I met another heart mom online whose daughter had a serious episode, like what you're saying. She passed out. She was running track. She passed out on the track field. Luckily, a trainer was right there, and a trainer started doing CPR on her right away. They were able to save her life, but she suffered neurological problems, and her mother wrote a book called Karamia. Have you ever heard of that? No, I have not, but I'm very interested in getting that book. Yeah. Karamia? Karamia and Marianne Anglum, A-N-G-L-I-M, is the mother, and she wrote the book with her daughter's neurologist, which I thought was really, really interesting. And she had undiagnosed long QT syndrome. That was the first time I had ever heard of long QT syndrome. So we need to do more to get the word out about this condition. Yes, yes, we definitely do. I wish I had heard of it in the 90s because I think if I would have heard anything about this, I probably would have triggered something to have my kids checked. But I had never heard of this condition. I was not aware that a seizure was even connected to the heart. Anna Jaworski has written several books to empower the congenital heart defect or CHD community. These books can be found at Amazon.com or at her website, www.babyheartspress.com. Her bestseller is The Heart of a Mother, an anthology of stories written by women for women in the CHD community. Anna's other books, My Brother Needs an Operation, The Heart of a Father, and Hypoplastic Left Heart Syndrome, a handbook for parents, will help you understand that you are not alone. Visit babyheartspress.com to find out more. Heart to Heart with Anna is a presentation of Hearts Unite the Globe and is part of the Hug Podcast Network. Hearts Unite the Globe is a nonprofit organization devoted to providing resources to the congenital heart defect community to uplift, empower, and enrich the lives of our community members. If you would like access to free resources pertaining to the CHD community, please visit our website at www.congenitalheartdefects.com for information about CHD, the hospitals that treat children with CHD, summer camps for CHD survivors, and much, much more. Jackie, let's talk specifically about pregnancy and long QT syndrome now. So we know that both Chrissy and Jimmy had children of their own, and we know that those children were diagnosed with long QT syndrome. Are there additional concerns for women with pregnancy if they know that long QT syndrome runs in their family? Absolutely. Not so much, Anna, during the pregnancy, but there seems to be a surge in hormones while we are pregnant. It's afterwards, the postpartum is very hard on women with long QT, especially obviously if it's not been diagnosed. Um, Luckily for my granddaughter, it's been diagnosed. So the doctors know exactly what they're looking for. They continue to make sure her blood levels are where they're at. If they would begin being symptomatic, say their heart is beating fast, they would have a dizzy spell, faint, or a seizure, then we would know, obviously, they would know to go in and adjust their medication. And luckily, they have a defibrillator that will automatically save their lives. Okay. So that was going to be my next question. Does everybody in your family now who has the gene, do they all have 
medications that they're taking or did they have defibrillators implanted? Both. Oh, wow. Yeah, we all have a defibrillator and our defibrillator, it will shock us back into rhythm. It will pace us once we are shocked or if our heart rhythm goes too slow, it paces us back up. It records everything that goes on in our body, anything pertaining to our heart, even say we're retaining water or something like that, they would let us know. And we all have these nice little machines in our bedroom and it communicates with the hospital. I think it's once every three months and they take a reading on our heart to see if we've had any episodes, if everything's in normal range. Wow. Does that make you able to sleep at night? Because having lost two children, I can imagine sometimes it's hard to sleep at night. So yes, I worry about my grandkids, but knock on wood, everything so far is going smoothly. So let's just say a prayer, it just continues. Right, right. First of all, having the diagnosis, boy, that's just so critical. But number two, having medications that seem to be working really well right now, but also having that fail safe, having that defibrillator, it sounds like it's both a pacemaker and a defibrillator that you have inserted in your body, right? It's an amazing device. I I have to tell you, though, I just think back to my children and I'm just, oh, wish that they would have benefited from it because I'm sure they would have been okay today, but I didn't know such a thing even existed where they would put in your body. Right, right. This seems like a miracle, doesn't it? It really is. What they've come up with anymore is just truly unbelievable. Before we go, we had already mentioned this Sudden Cardiac Arrest Association, and I want to make sure that we get that information out to everybody. I'll put this in the show notes, (laughs) but just so that they can hear it, can you tell us what the website is? And do they recommend on the website for this that people see a doctor to be tested to see if they need or can benefit from medications or an ICD placement? Sure, yes. SADS Foundation, the Sudden Cardiac Arrest Association, that would be linked to the chapter that I have. But the SADS Foundation, which stands for Sudden Arrhythmia Death Syndrome, SADS.org, they have a lot of vital information and very knowledgeable experts on different heart conditions. Great. That's really, really helpful. Dr. Michael Ackerman is on the board and he has a clinic, the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota for long QT. What do you think is the most important thing people need to know about long QT syndrome and pregnancy and genetics since you have lived this for decades of your life now? I would just strongly suggest that if there's any symptoms in your family, a history of death, fainting spells, seizures, to please seek out medical help to try to find out exactly what is going on because something like pregnancy and then once you give birth, it can definitely have a sad ending if it's not diagnosed. Do you know what percentage of people who have the gene for long QT syndrome pass that gene onto their progeny? It's 50-50 chance. Really? Yeah. My great-granddaughter, guess what, does not have it. I'm so excited. 
Oh my goodness. Okay. So Jessica has already had a baby. Yes. Jessica's had her baby and the baby's name's Armani and she does not have the long QT. Even though she has a gene, you have the gene, her mother had the gene, her grandmother had the gene, but here this baby does not have the gene. Yes. It was amazing. I'm so excited about that. That is amazing. Now, will she still be tested annually or at some interval to make sure that everything is okay? Or are they really not worried at all? I don't think they're worried, but I'm sure they're kind of keep an eye on her just because of our family history. Sure. But I do not think they're worried at all, but I could see them possibly doing something in the future just to make sure. But they checked her blood and she did not have the gene. That's just amazing to me. But hopefully, since you're so aware and her mom is so aware, if she does become an athlete, you all will make sure she gets an echo, make sure she gets an ECG, and they can determine that everything is still fine with her. Absolutely. Riley Hospital is where she would go up here in Indianapolis. It's the best hospital. Yeah. And it's not like you can acquire this later, right? Either you're born with this or you're not. Isn't that true? That's correct. But it's a little tricky. Sometimes people can take certain medications. Medications play a big role in long QT. If we take the wrong medication, it can make your QT intervals longer. This can create a real problem also. That might be another show, Anna. Oh my goodness, really? I mean, it makes sense that certain drug interactions could cause problems. We know that with other things too, don't we, Jackie? Right. But with long QT, even say if I took a Benadryl, and not antihistamines, we can take those, but if they have a decongestant, it can cause us to go into cardiac arrest. <gasps> oh my gosh. Really? Yes. Yes, it would be very interesting to do a segment on that with a professional also Wow, that could shed a little light on why that happens. That's really scary. Yes, I don't take anything or my grandkids or if my mom, anybody. We go to the pharmacy and if it's over the counter, I want them to read everything and make sure that it's safe for us to take. Wow. I have found a lot of people that when their kids do go into cardiac arrest, a lot of times they will take a certain drug and that will trigger it. Oh, how heartbreaking. Yes, it really is. Now, is this something that the organization that you belong to, either SADS or the National Association for Sudden Cardiac Death, is that something that they help to promote to their membership to let them know that this is something they need to be careful about? SADS promotes it. SADS has a whole list of medications to steer clear of if you have been diagnosed with long QT or if you have some startling history, you need to be aware of that. It seems like you've learned so much in the decades since you have been living with long QT syndrome, Jackie. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's unbelievable. But I've had to go in and try to educate myself as much as possible because I was worried about the grandchildren and wanted to make sure they did everything to have a normal, productive life. Do you feel since you've had the diagnosis and your family finally understands why they were losing family members too early, that now your family is able to lead a more normal life? 
I do. Yes, I do. I don't think the fear will ever leave me because of what has happened. Sure. You just don't lose two children in their sleep. It's insane. But I constantly live in fear, but I think it's maybe a little bit better than it used to be. We're making progress. What can people do so that they make progress if they're in the same situation that you're in, Jackie? They really need to make sure they educate themselves. And we have the world's biggest encyclopedia, should I say, it's called Google. Now, that can scare you. (laughs) That can scare you. So sometimes everything's not quite accurate. Right. But make sure, like the Mayo Clinic, things like that, I would definitely go along with that. The SADS Foundation, that's a great resource. And they will have a link out there for you. Absolutely. And we'll have a link in our show notes too. So you don't have to worry about writing this down if you're listening while you're exercising or driving. It sounds like SADS and the other organization that you work for are doing a good job at promoting the information. And you're right. Now that we have access to the internet, we have access to Medline and Medline Plus and so many different medical journals that the average person 20 years ago didn't have access to. Don't you think, Jackie? Absolutely. Yes. When I would do a school project, we had to go find our own encyclopedia. And now you just talk into your phone and it pulls up. (laughs) It's really amazing. (laughs) It really is amazing. We're showing our age, Jackie. (laughs) Oh, oh boy. And I'm feeling it too. (laughs) I know. I know. Is there anything else that you really feel that my listeners need to know before we close the show today? I just think you have to be your own advocate. If you're not comfortable with a diagnosis, there are other physicians out there. Were you uncomfortable with the epilepsy diagnosis? Did you have a gut feeling that that just wasn't quite right? Not until after the passing of my kids. Oh, wow. And because, see, none of us had passed. I lost my grandfather in 1930, but I wasn't alive then. Sure. We knew it had happened. I knew my mom had went through a lot, especially after having a child. Her postpartum was rough. Mm. And then my postpartum was rough and my sister's as well. But I think it was the type of medication we were on. Really? Here we go yes. again, talking about the different medications. Well, we were saying how there's Google, there are different websites out there. One of the places, in fact, the place where you and I met is on Facebook. Are there Facebook groups specifically for people who have arrhythmia issues with their heart? Yes, there are. There's all types of groups on Facebook. I belong to two or three of the long QT groups out there on Facebook as well. So that would be another thing, my friends, that you could look for is those long QT Facebook groups, it's so good to be in a supportive environment. And the thing that I've learned over the last couple of decades of living with some of the congenital heart defect is that parents and grandparents can be really good researchers and they will keep their finger on the pulse of whatever is going on with their child's condition because they know how critical having that information is. Absolutely. We're kids typically think they're going to live forever and where we know as parents something can always go wrong right especially when we've already seen things go wrong in our own family don't you think yeah you can just live in total fear but you just have to get out there and do what you can to research it and make sure you're doing everything humanly possible right i think there will always be that fear of the other shoe dropping 
But I think that to live in that moment all of the time is exhausting. There has to come a point where you put that on the back burner and you focus on the things you can do. Don't you think, Jackie? I think you have to try to change your mindset. Mm-hmm. I mean, realize that you have done everything you can. They have a defibrillator. There are yeah. medications. We know what we're dealing with now. Complete right. different scenario than what we had prior to this. I love that. I love that. And that's the note we need to end the show on, friends. There is hope. There are some treatments that are available now. The most important thing is getting that correct diagnosis. Yes, absolutely. Jackie, thank you so much for coming back on the program and sharing yet another generation in your family. Thank you, Anna. I appreciate you having me. I'm so excited that your great-granddaughter does not have the gene. That really gives me hope. Yes, I was so excited of that. Yeah. Well, That's amazing. It is amazing. It's a miracle. Well, my friends, that does conclude this episode of Heart to Heart with Anna. Thanks for listening today. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, please consider becoming a patron. Just visit www.patreon.com slash heart to heart and make a pledge. A small monthly amount can make a big difference to our organization, and it only takes a few minutes to do it. For the cost of a pizza, you could help us to continue to provide free programming to the congenital heart defect community for a whole year. So have a great day, my friends. And remember, you are not alone. Thank you again for joining us this week. We hope you have been inspired and empowered to become an advocate for the congenital heart defect community. Heart to Heart with Anna, with your host, Anna Jaworski, can be heard every Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time.